to be with you on this beautiful Mother's Day. And I am so excited with you about June 15th. It's in my date book, and we can't wait to celebrate because it's going to be the beginning of a brand new chapter in the life of this church, and it's going to be so exciting. I do want to just add to what Pastor Larry said about the faith promises. That's always been something very much on my heart. We must not let those missionaries down. And Larry, you can count on us for $5 additional a day, uh, a week. (laughs) But uh, Marion and I sure want to increase our faith promise. And I hope everyone We'll do this so we can celebrate that together. Today is Mother's Day, and I want to turn our attention to that. Um, I read recently of a woman who had gone to some government office to apply for some license or something, and she wrote about her experience. And I think every mother here will identify with this. The clerk was obviously a career woman, poised, efficient, and possessed of a high-sounding title like official interrogator or town registrar. What is your occupation, she probed. What made me say it, I do not know. The word simply popped out. I'm a research associate in the field of child development and human relations. Clerk paused, pen frozen in midair, and looked up as though she had not heard right. I repeated the title slowly, emphasizing the most significant words. Then I stared with wonder as my pronouncement was written in bold black ink on the official questionnaire. Might I ask, said the clerk with a new interest, just what you do in your field? Coolly, without any trace of fluster in my voice, I heard myself reply, I have a continuing program of research, what mother doesn't, in the laboratory and in the field. Normally, I would have said indoors and out. I'm working for my masters, that's all of my family, and already have four credits, four daughters. Of course, the job is one of the most demanding in, in the humanities. Does any mother here care to disagree? And I often work 14 hours a day. 24 is more like it. But the job is more challenging than most run-of-the-mill careers, and the rewards are more of a satisfaction than just money. There was an increased note of respect in the girl's voice as she completed the form, stood up, and personally ushered me to the door. When I got home, buoyed up by my glamorous new career, I was greeted by my lab assistants, ages 10, 7, and 3. Upstairs, I could hear our new experimental model, a six-month-old baby, in the child development program, testing out a new vocal pattern. I felt I had triumphed over bureaucracy, 
And I had gone on the official records as someone more distinguished and indispensable to mankind than just another mother. Motherhood, what a glorious career, especially when there's a title on the door. Does this make grandmothers senior research associates in the field of child development and human relations? And great-grandmothers, executive senior research associates? I think so. I also think it makes aunts associate research assistants. Well, I'm sure every mother here can probably identify with some of those thoughts. But today, I want us to think along a little different line. Because we usually think of God as our Father. And that's proper because that's how he has revealed himself to us in his word. But if God is to be all in all to us, as he has promised to do, then God has more to his nature than just being our Heavenly Father. In Genesis 1.27 it says, And God created mankind in his own image. In his own image he created them, male and female. He created them. So we learn that God is so great, so rich in his being, that for him to express himself, he had to do it by creating both male and female. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 27:10, "When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up," indicating again that our God is capable of being both father and mother to us. And in Isaiah 66, verses 10 through 14, There is a beautiful passage, and it is written within the context of motherhood. Listen as I read it for you. Isaiah 66, beginning at verse 10. Rejoice with Jerusalem, and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. For this is what the Lord says, I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. A wonderful passage as we see another dimension of our God. And I found through my study that most of these qualities that we would associate with motherhood are carried out by the Holy Spirit in our experience. So think with me as we just think together 
of some of the ways and some of the actions by which the Holy Spirit uh, shows us that God is mother-like in his relationship to us. The first way is that the Holy Spirit gives us life. Verse 9 of our text, Do I bring to the moment of birth and not give delivery, says the Lord? Do I close up the womb when I bring to delivery, says your God? And then as we go to the New Testament, we read from John chapter 3 that it, it is necessary for us to be born of the Holy Spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. And no child has ever created his or her own life. That's the role of the mother, to create life and to give life. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. The work of the Holy Spirit is to soften our hearts, to give us a spirit of humility and repentance, to help us to really believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then to give us a new birth and a new life. And remember Jesus said, unless a man is born of the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The second way that the Holy Spirit does this is to give us nourishment. In verse 11, it's saying that the nourishment will come from a, a rebuilt city of Jerusalem, but behind that, it's coming from God himself. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breasts. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. And the Apostle Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 2, 2, that we are all to drink deeply of that milk of the Word. And that's how we get our nourishment. That's how we grow. It's never enough to depend on one service a week for our spiritual nourishment. We need to be in the Word every day, listening to it, seeing what God is saying, and then putting it into practice. And then the third way that the Holy Spirit acts is that He brings order out of confusion. We find that first way back at creation. For in Genesis 1-2, it says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. But the Holy Spirit was hovering over it, bringing life, bringing formation, bringing out God's plan. And then in verse 12, the first part of the verse, God says, I will extend peace to her like a river. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives when we turn them over to Him. So many people have a disordered life, filled with confusion, filled with questions, filled with 
all kinds of problems. There's a song that we used to sing, and I love it. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. There's a wonderful thing when mom comes home. Confusion seems to end. I'll never forget when my wife was giving birth to our fourth child. And I was at home taking care of the other three. And uh, what a time that was. I'll never forget. One night the phone rang and someone in our church had died and they needed my attention. They needed words of comfort. And uh, I heard one of the kids screaming and crying upstairs. So I sent the second one up and I said, go up and comfort her. Well, soon two of them were crying. So I said to the third, go up and comfort those two. And then I had three of them crying. And I remember calling my wife in the hospital and I said, oh, please come home. You don't have to do anything at all. Just come home and be there. Because when mother's there, order comes out of confusion. And that's what God does in so many many lives. Uh, Just one illustration. Years ago, I was asked to counsel a young businessman. He was not affiliated with our church here. And, And I said, yes, I would counsel with him. Well, he began to tell me his story. He was in the business world, finances, and he had embezzled thousands and thousands of dollars from many people who trusted him. And now it was all catching up to him. He said, I don't know what to do. I'm facing prison. I, I'm facing shame. I, I, I've talked about suicide. I, I'm, my life is a mess. Can you help me? And I said to him, well, the first thing is, you need to give your life over to Jesus Christ. And then let's see what he begins to do. And so he prayed to receive Christ. And after he had prayed, he looked at me and he said, You know what? I feel like I've been born again. And I said, Have you ever heard that phrase? He said, No, I thought I just made it up. (laughs) And I took him into John 3 and showed him how Jesus said that we must be born of the Spirit. And that's when God begins to work in our lives. So he said, okay, I feel better, but what do we do now? And I said, well, I'm going to tell you that you need to go to everyone that you have stolen from, admit what you have done, work out with them a plan to pay them back, even if it takes 30 years, and Jesus will go with you. He wasn't sure about that, but he did it. And not one of those people ever pressed charges. And God beautifully brought order into a confused life. And I've seen him do this in scores and scores of lives. I've seen marriages put back together again. I've seen people get victory over alcohol and drugs. 
I've seen people with, with nagging problems and facing suicide come to find peace when they gave their hearts to Jesus Christ. And I love what is said of God in 1 Corinthians 14.33. God is not the author of confusion. He brings order out of confusion. The fourth way that the Holy Spirit acts is that he produces beauty, warmth, and love. The last part of verse 12. And you will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. I love that. Carried on her arm. The arm of a mother. One of my friends shared with me that when he was a baby, and he was told this, that his mother was carrying him downstairs, and she tripped and started to fall, and she twisted her body around in such a way that he was not injured. And he said, I will always cherish that memory of my mother, carried on her arms and dandled on her knees. We don't use the word dandled very much today, but isn't that a beautiful picture? A mother just kind of gently bouncing a little child on her knees. You know, God loves to do that for us. He just loves to dandle us on his knees. And I'd like to challenge you this morning. Stop and think. What has God done special in your life recently? Something that you, you never expected. Something that, that just brought you joy and, and a wonderful experience. He's dandling you on his knees. And he wants to do it a lot more. Because he produces beauty, warmth, and love. In Isaiah 49, verse 15, Isaiah asks this question. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? The answer is sort of a rhetorical question, and the answer seems to be, it's not very likely that she could, but I suppose in some circumstances she could. But God says, but I will never, ever forget you. What a wonderful promise. And in Isaiah 46, verses 3 and 4, God says, listen to me. You whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth and even to your age, old age, I will continue to carry you. It was Pascal, the great philosopher, who said, The eternal silence of infinite space terrifies me. Think about it. He was asking the question, Does anybody in the universe care about me? And the answer comes back from God, I care. 
I care so much that I gave my son to die on the cross so that you could have life. I care. I understand when you go through problems, when you have heavy burdens, when your heart is broken. I understand. And I care about you. And then, finally, the Holy Spirit comforts us Verse 13, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Have you ever watched as a little child who's been hurt, bruised, either physically or emotionally, or maybe deeply disappointed, and they're crying and and just their little hearts are broken, And they see mother, and they run to her. She puts her arms around them. She kisses away that problem. And the child's life is transformed in a moment. And today God says to you, if you're here, discouraged, brokenhearted, wondering if anybody cares, God says, I care. Come, come, throw yourself into my loving arms and see what I will do in your life. And that would be my invitation to you today. Throw yourself into the loving arms of God. Invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord and see what God will do. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we love you as our Heavenly Father. There's so much for us to learn about you from that concept. But today we love you because you are like a mother to us. You love us. You care. You comfort, and we want to love you back. And all, I just pray that if there's anyone in this service who has come with a heavy heart, a broken heart, someone held by the chains of habit and sin, oh, I pray that they will throw themselves into your loving arms and find that peace like a river, the comfort that only you can give. And we thank you that you are our triune God, so perfect, so great, far beyond our imagination. And we want to trust you and walk with you and love you. And now may the love of God the Father In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, and the comfort and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all as you trust in him. Amen. You are dismissed.